Hey, just real quick, this is a message from Future Joy. I just want to let you know that unfortunately I've had a really bad case of dry mouth that over-the-counter medicine and home remedies are not taken care of. So what I had to do um, after about five or six days of this is take my best recording I could and just re-record certain sections that had like annoying Velcro mouth sounds. Like if anyone's had dry mouth, you know what I'm talking about. So if you hear something that sounds painfully edited in, it's probably because it is. I do apologize. Hopefully I get better soon. Unfortunately, I do not have medical insurance, so I can't just go to a doctor about it. So we'll just cross our fingers and hope it passes. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy. Just please keep in mind, this is not my A game. This is not... (laughs) I wish I could have done better for you guys this week, but I did do my best. I'm sorry about any potential mouth sounds that are still in the episode or any poor editing. With that being said, let's get to the episode. Welcome to the Joy of Horror, a podcast where we explore all kooky and spooky topics from around the world. This is episode 10, y'all. So if you're working your way backwards, you're almost there. Only 10 more episodes to go and you are doing great, champ. But all jokes aside, my first milestone, everyone. I am so, so happy. I'm recording this about one week prior and I do plan on getting a cake or something to celebrate the occasion. If I did, you can expect pictures today or this weekend. Here's to many more episodes in the future. Thank all y'all that have listened so far, and hopefully we pull more into this family in the new year. Oh, but yes, welcome to 2021, a year I think we all just agreed that we hope isn't another dumpster fire. May your luck be high and your bigots be low. But okay, I am excited for this episode because it is my second haunted location I will be covering, though this one I've sadly not stayed at before. It's actually in a state I have yet to be in at all, actually, now that I think about it. But I was fortunate enough to have a friend on Facebook that worked in the park and gave me her own experience at the location I will be covering. What park, I hear you ask? Yellowstone. It's a large and lovely place with more alleged hauntings than I thought it would have, if I'm going to be honest. But today we are going to focus on one specific location within the park and its ghostly happenings. The most famous being a story of a headless bride, which is actually the reason I dived into this topic in the first place. And side note, not only am I giving you a historic ghostly location, but we're also going to be throwing in an urban legend while we're at it. I hope you enjoy, and for this week's location, we're going to Old Faithful Inn. Let's go ahead and dig on in. Now, Old Faithful Inn is located in Yellowstone National Park. The park itself is in Wyoming, though parts of it extend into Idaho and Montana. Yellowstone was established on March 1st of 1872 by President Ulysses S. Grant. While being the first national park in the U.S., it's usually considered the first national park in the world. Hundreds of different species call this land home, including grizzly bears and bison. And last fast little fun fact about the park is that it's roughly 3,468 square miles or 8,983 square kilometers. So definitely not small potatoes. 
There's much, much more I can say about the park and its history, but I know that's not what you came here for, right? So, back to the hotel. It was given its name due to having a prime view of the Old Faithful geyser, usually affectionately just called Old Faithful. Which, just some quick fun facts, again, it was the first geyser named in the park, it erupts every 44 minutes to 2 hours, and its eruption usually averages between 106 to 185 feet into the air, or 32 to 56 meters. Old Faithful Inn was built between 1903 and 1904 on the grounds that a hotel named Upper Geyser Basin Hotel burned down. Apparently, the burned-down hotel is also called the Shack Hotel, which I really wish I looked up why. Old Faithful Inn opened its stores in the spring of 1904, where it had electric lights along with steam heat. Fancy! The hotel is the largest log hotel in the world, with some saying it may be the largest log building in the world. To stay, they're open from early May until around mid-October, and even though they open with 120 rooms, today they hold 327 that you can rent for the night. Which, if you want to book one of the original rooms, which is located in what's called the Old House, which is just a name given to the original building located in the center of the hotel, there are 87 that you can stay in. But just be aware that most don't have a private bath. If you don't mind sharing, they look totally worth it. The lobby is probably the most impressive of the inn, and I must say I highly recommend looking up pictures of it along with the hotel. The lobby is very open and is multi-stories high at about 76 feet or roughly 23 meters and hosts a humongous fireplace. And I'm not exaggerating guys, this thing is roughly 500 tons or 450 metric tons and is 85 feet tall or 26 meters. And something I found interesting was that it was made using the rock created by Yellowstone's volcanic eruptions. Sadly, in 1959, a 7.5 earthquake caused the chimney of the fireplace to become damaged, and the four large hearths were blocked. Thanks to renovations in 2012, the same four were made operational once again. The lobby also has something they call a crow's nest, up at the top where apparently back in the day, a band or orchestra would play as people danced in the lobby. Sadly, after the same earthquake, it was deemed unsafe and that doesn't happen anymore. Though for anyone concerned, despite the bad earthquake, there doesn't seem to have been any serious injuries or deaths at the time. Some last fun facts about the inn, before we get into the spooky, are that the inn was actually the main inspiration behind Disney World's Wilderness Lodge Resort. They celebrate Christmas in August every year, and the inn is put on the National Register of Historic Places on January 23rd of 1973 and designated on May 28th, 1987, a National Historic Landmark. If you visit the hotel yourself and want to learn more, they apparently do free tours a few times during the day. Okay, that's it for the history of the park and the inn, I promise, but consider yourself lucky. There was much, much more I wanted and was tempted to add in, but I went ahead and just did what I felt was the most important or awesome. So, as mentioned in the intro, the most famous spirit residing in the Old Faithful Inn is a headless bride. But I'm going to slow you down right there because she is the lady of the hour and we have to meet some of her friends before we're allowed to bring her to the forefront. Why? Well, mostly because I needed a reason to push off the suspense a little, and I really wanted to talk about the other ghosties chilling around and their encounters with the guests. I will apologize ahead of time because I couldn't really find more, 
Though, just keep in mind, this is mostly for our lovely headless lady anyway. For the first, we're going to talk about an alleged encounter that happened May 20th of 1991 in room number two. A couple was staying in the room, and in the middle of the night, the wife awoke to a woman, seemingly in 1890s attire, standing at the end of her bed. A few later dated sources claimed the spirit was, quote, floating above. But this could be a later inflation of the story. Regardless, the wife freaked out and woke the husband by clawing at his shoulder. He woke up more than likely startled and asked his wife what was the matter. She asked him, I'm assuming rushed, don't you see her? In my sources that mention this encounter, none had the husband's response on if he saw her or not. I'm assuming not because all I got for the aftermath was that he told the activities agent what happened and that's how we come to be aware of the story in the first place. One fun encounter was of someone a former assistant manager called an inspectress. I'm assuming inspecting the property for safety and health violations. Well, apparently she was making her way downtown down a hallway and a fire extinguisher turned itself to a 90 degree angle and as she walked by, being the brave sport that apparently she was, it went back to its correct position. We're going to now dive into my friend's encounter at the inn. She was there in the summer of 2019 and her name is Amy. She told me, quote, At the end of the same season, after the inn had closed to the public, we had to go do a deep clean from top to bottom. Once at the end of the workday, I had to go to the woman's restroom to retrieve the mop bucket on the second floor of the eastern side of what's called the Old House. Old House is the main log cabin looking part of the hotel. The wings that stretch out far on either side were built later on. As I was walking down the hall, I watched a door slam. It had been wide open and it just swung shut really hard. I know for a solid fact that I was the only one on that side of the old house on any of the floors because I radioed my coworkers when this happened to find out where everyone was. I also double checked afterwards to see if the windows were open to create a draft, but no. Everything was sealed up tight considering it was literally 12 degrees outside. There was no logical reason for that door to have slammed shut the way it did. I knew it had to be something supernatural. I was totally wishing I had a tire iron and or some salt, lol. I got that mop bucket and got out of there as quickly as humanly possible. While it did scare the crap out of me, I thought it was actually pretty cool too, unquote. She's not alone though, because a bellman of the inn claims that his door opened and closed by itself one night and he couldn't quite figure out how the heck that happened. Apparently, the opening and closing of doors, along with footsteps, are commonplace in the inn. Whether it be from apparitions or, you know, an over 100-year-old building, I'll let you decide. But speaking of footsteps, that's going to lead us into our main juicy tale, which I'll explain at the end why. For now, we dive into that urban legend I promised near the beginning, the headless bride and how she came to be. Picture it. New York, 1915. There's a wealthy shipping company owner with a lovely daughter he's ready to marry off to another wealthy family. You know, to be more wealthy, I guess. The daughter was appalled and refused the marriage, claiming to love another man. Not just any man, a servant of the house that is much older than she. <gasps> the scandal. She went on to say that she wished to marry him. The father, claiming to only be looking out for his beloved daughter, tried to talk her out of it, saying how the man was just wanting her money and was essentially a money-hungry hoe. He tried, pleaded, and in the end, he couldn't convince her that the man was only after her money and didn't truly love her. 
Heavy-hearted, he formed a plan that he hoped would expose the man trying to steal away his daughter. He offered an ultimatum to the couple. They could, one, break up and the daughter will marry the man he, the father, chose with full access to the family fortune. Or two, she can marry her older gentleman with a considerate dowry, but she would be cut off from the family fortune after and will have to leave New York for the rest of her life. The father hoped the older man would back out once he realized he'd only get a small portion of the family money. But much to the father's disgust and horror, the couple took the deal and left with the dowry in toll. Sadly, this will be the last time the father will see his daughter alive. The couple ran away and got married before heading to Yellowstone to enjoy their honeymoon. They checked into room 127, but before they actually made it to the hotel, our lovely lady's new husband began showing his true colors. Apparently, he was already getting money happy and spending a great amount of the dowry gambling and drinking his fill. Straight out the gate, they were arguing, and while at the hotel, the arguments got more and more heated to the point that the staff at the hotel could hear it well away from the couple's private room. At this point, it was clear the money was already almost dried up and possibly wouldn't have enough to finish the honeymoon, let alone start a new life together. The new bride tried calling her father, admitting her mistake, and asking for more money, but he refused and hung up. A firm, hard, nah. One fateful night, the staff admitted to hearing in an argument far more violent and loud than prior evenings. It was later believed to be due to the bride not being able to get more money from her father. It ended with the husband slamming the door to the room and storming out of the inn, never to be seen again. The staff tried to be kind and give the wife some private time to calm down and come out on her own accord. After a couple of days and no movement or noise coming from the room, the staff decided it was best to check on the new bride. A lone maid was sent in to investigate. When she entered, it looked like the room was torn apart by a whirlwind, with bedding and clothing being strewn all about. Surprised the bride was not in the bedroom section, the maid moved on to the in-suite bathroom and let out an ear-piercing scream. This attracted the quick attention of other staff members and a few guests, and everyone saw the horror that the maid, I'm sure, was not paid enough to deal with. In the bathtub laid the bride in her wedding dress, drenched in blood and missing her head. Panicked, the staff called the authorities and began an instant search for the head. A few days later, the head was located in what's called the crow's nest in the lobby after an awful smell drifted down to the lobby guests below. The head was facing up, with wide eyes looking with horror to the ceiling, golden locks framed around her now rotting face. The police attempted to locate the husband that slithered away from the scene, but he was never caught, and in the end, the whole story and murder were swept under the rug to avoid any negative press against the prominent family that the bride had come from. Ever since then, if you keep an eye out for her, you can sometimes witness a poor soul drifting across the walk to the crow's nest with her head under her arm, bride dress lightly blowing in the wind. Classic urban legend. I love simple spooky stories like that. Now, I don't want to burst too many bubbles, but this story is purely that. A story. It was originally told in 1983 by a Mr. George Borman to a co-worker at the inn after they headed home due to the hotel being closed for the season. He concocted the whole thing to allegedly make the inn sound more mysterious, and he ended up finding great enjoyment when guests or other co-workers told him the story back to him. It was only after getting pestered about the story and other alleged hauntings at the place in an interview that he finally said that he made it all up and explained what happened. 
I know you're probably disappointed, but don't be entirely. Maybe there wasn't a poor bride with a greedy, murderous husband. But every urban legend has to come from somewhere, right? And have some type of base in reality. This story is no different. So we jump back to 1983, where the tourist season was just coming to a close. George and the same coworker he told his made-up story to were the only ones left at the inn. Our buddy George was reading in his bed late at night, and he heard a noise in the hallway. It sounded like running footsteps. Knowing there should be no one else in the building, besides the one other co-worker, he began to wonder who the heck snuck in and was now running amok. He instantly got out of bed and opened the door to look down the hallway both ways. No one was there. Not thinking much of it, assuming it was just old building noises, he closed the door and cozied back up into bed to read once more. Not more than 15 minutes later, he hears the running footsteps again. Convinced now that someone broke in was now running around the place, he left his room to look again. No one was there. But now on the hunt, he went to the end of the hallway to one of the balconies that overlooked into the lobby. He looked around for several minutes, trying to catch sight of any movement. And that's where his original telling ended. But I hear you. Joy, but you said he told the story to his co-worker after he went home, and this is when they were both still at the inn. And you'd be correct, of course. George did call his co-worker after they both went home and concocted a story about how he found some old documents about the murder and alleged cover-up. He used these made-up documents to explain the headless specter he saw before they left, and the rest is urban legend history. Now, even though the story of the headless apparition might be false in this telling, there have been alleged sightings of a headless ghost walking around the crow's nest that night. One such encounter was with Gretchen May. Mrs. May was a waitress in the inn, and one day she said she saw something out of the corner of her eye. Spinning around, she claimed to see a woman in a frilly white dress. But as soon as she laid direct eyesight on her, the spirit vanished. Good old Desert News suggested that it may be the spirit of Maddie S. Culver, who had passed away during childbirth on March 2nd of 1889. The main problem was that she passed away several miles away from our beloved little inn at a hotel called Marshall's Hotel, also known as Firehold Hotel. Besides dying during childbirth, her sad tale continues into death because the ground was frozen around the hotel and she couldn't be buried. Apparently, they placed her within two pickle barrels that they left in the snowdrift until the weather thawed out and they could bury her properly. Allegedly, she haunts around the Firehold River geysers, saddened that she couldn't watch her child grow up. It might be a few miles away, but according to other stories and tales on ghosts, spirits can travel much, much further. So this could always be the culprit that the guests are seeing to this day. Now, my sources didn't mention if Mrs. May said the ghost was headless, but regardless, many believe there are ghosts haunting the old faithful inn. And whether the apparition of the woman in the flowing dress is a true spirit or a product of the power of suggestion, I guess we won't know for sure until proof is presented. Until then, we just enjoy the urban legend good old Georgie gave us and creep out newcomers to the inn for decades to come. Okay, we're on to the pop culture of our episode, and I'm sad to say that there's not much to tell. But at least I double-checked here where I completely forgot for the Emily Morgan Hotel episode, which, sorry about that. So, Old Faithful Inn has several books on its history and structure, and the hotel was also featured in the movie Yellowstone from 1936. And that's all I could find. Alright, time for something a little bit more feeling? It's time for the movie recommendation of the week. 
Now, I debated on what to choose for this week, and I have to admit, a few different cabin and hotel-based movies crossed my mind. But in the end, there was only one that felt 100% right, and it's a movie I love so much and I just had to suggest it. The movie of the week is... Cabin in the Woods from 2011. I just heard a few people groan in the distance. I'm sure of it. I only found out recently that there's a chunk of people who hate this movie, and that kind of makes me sad. But everyone has their own taste, and that's okay. I'm sure I dislike a movie they adore, so we're even. Now, for those who are unaware of the movie, it's about a group of five friends that go to a, well, cabin in the woods for a mini vacay. Little do they know, there's much bigger things at play than a fun weekend of drinking and games. Throw in some betting scientists, ritualistic sacrifice, and making out with taxidermy, and you have yourself a wild weekend. I find this movie so much fun and enjoyable, and I've revisited it several times over the years. I read once that it's a love letter to the horror genre, and I 100% agree. Also, for those who are unaware, a young Chris Hemsworth plays the jock of the movie, and according to a few sources, which I had to relook up to make double sure, Chris was passed up for his role as Thor. And it was actually his role in this movie that caught the attention of producer Joss Whedon. Whedon told Chris how he was surprised he wasn't considered for the role of Thor, and Chris explained that he failed his audition, unfortunately. Whedon then called the director, who seemed to convince the guy who did the original audition to give Chris a second callback. Chris filmed his second audition tape in his hotel room while still filming Cabin in the Woods, and the rest is Marvel history. Alright, that is it for this week. Feel free to follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TJOHpodcast. And while you're there, feel free to shoot me a DM or tag me in something. As always, I love to hear from you. Also, if you have a sec, please, please don't forget to rate and review me on iTunes, Podchaser, or even Facebook. Any of these help greatly. You have no idea. Heck, if you're feeling feisty, leave a review on all three. (laughs) But before you do, take a deep breath and let it out. Remember that no matter what happened last year, this really is a new year and you're going to be fine. Things might be difficult or they may be easy. Either way, don't forget that there are those who care and those who will help you through any dark times. Even if it's just me or some other podcasters being here for you every week. Please take care of yourself. And with much love, I hope you have a spooky night.